0: You are listening to The Hospice Chaplaincy Show, a show where we talk about psychospiritual and psychosocial aspects of -of end-of-life care. And now, here is your host, Saul.
1: Thank you very much for joining us on this episode of The Hospice Chaplaincy Show. I'm Saul Ebema. My guest today is Karen Doherty. She's a psychic medium from Scotland. Welcome to the show.
2: Thanks for having me here, Saul.
1: Karen, for the sake of context, where did you grow up?
2: I grew up in a little small town, a coastal town in the northeast of Scotland called Carnoustie. It's a little golfing town.
1: At what age did you begin to feel this special gift of mediumship?
2: I was aware of other people and people that maybe weren't from the physical side of life from the age of three or four. I remember when I was that age, being on a bus with my mum and looking out the window towards a cemetery, a graveyard, and seeing lots of people walking around, knowing that they weren't from this side of life. And I asked my mother at the time, why are all of those people walking around? And she just kind of looked at me as puzzled, like she couldn't see anyone. And I remember that feeling of, oh, they're not from here, but I wasn't frightened. And then the the spirit people used to come around me from that age onwards, really.
1: Karen, as a child, hearing those voices, I would be totally frightened because it is not normal. Is that what you consider then to be your calling into mediumship?
2: Yes, most definitely it's a calling. I think it's something that becomes, it's a natural part of you. So it feels like a vocation. It feels like it's your life's purpose here. And that's how I feel about it. And I think I've always felt that, but it took time to realise that I was a medium, that I was supposed to do something with that ability. But as soon as I did, then it, it just all fell into place.
1: Karen, thank you once again for coming on the show. One of the things you wanted to talk about was the intersection between psychic mediumship and end-of-life care. So for the sake of this conversation, could you define mediumship?
2: Mediumship is communication with those on the other side. So once we have crossed over from the physical Plane and go over to the spirit side of life. A medium can be that conduit, that vessel to bring communication forward to prove life after physical death. And really, it's to bring healing to both sides it's to bring healing to the people here, but also the people that have crossed over as well. So you're kind of just of service to the spirit side of life.
1: Is there a difference between mediumship and being a psychic?
2: No, it is very different. Psychic is where, like, if I work psychically, what I am doing is connecting with the person in front of me. So someone will come to see me. They'll maybe want to know about their own life, maybe a bit of guidance. And what I do as a psychic is I connect with their own soul and their soul's path, and I can read from their own energy field. But mediumship is connecting with souls that have crossed over. So it is very different.
1: So when you confirm that this is what you want to do with your life, was there a specific training that you had to do to become a psychic medium?
2: Well, there's not specific training as such, but you do have to learn to develop yourself. So firstly, it's really creating that foundation of understanding what it's all about, understanding how your mediumship feels for you and how it works with you. Because every medium will work their own way. We all have our own way to work. So it's about understanding how it works for you as the medium, but it's also about developing personally because when you realise that you're a medium and start that work, it changes your whole perspective of life. It changes the way you look at life. It changes your previous thoughts about life and things that happen in it. So it does actually change you as a person. So that development has to really kick in, I believe, so that you can bring that understanding to other people as you work as a medium. Not official training as such, but definitely I listened to teachers, I listened to other mediums, read books, developed myself, sat and meditated just for that self-development.
1: Let's talk about feedback from clients. It could be positive feedback or negative feedback, but let's start with the positive feedback. What have you heard from your clients in their response to your work with them?
2: I remember speaking with a mother who had lost a child and what happened was I was at an audience reading, which is maybe there was 50 people in the room. And at those kind of readings, what I do is just connect with spirit, ask who who's coming forward and then just kind of give the evidence and connect with their loved ones. So I had been working with a lady and I'd said to her, do you have a necklace with an angel wing on it? And she said, no. And I said, oh, that's really strange. I know that I'm seeing that. And the woman behind her put her hand up and said, I am. So I immediately connected with that lady and right away I had her son there and he was seven years old when he was taken to spirit. He was in a car accident, so he passed Quickly to the spirit side. So I started to give her the information. I started to tell her what he was giving me. Everything was correct. She was saying, yes, that's true, that's right. You know, and she, I was kind of walking her through that. But I didn't feel like I was connecting with her. I kind of felt like she's understanding this, but she's not feeling it. And for me, it's important that the person feels the the love of the person coming through. So Mm. as I finished, I kind of said to her, thank you so much. I hope that's helped you. And as I turned to take a sip of water, I said to the little boy in the spirit side, please give me your name. Your mum needs to hear your name because I knew she needed something else. And straight away, he said, Kai. And I said, okay. And I turned back around and I said to her, listen, just one more thing. His, na- his name was Kai. And she said, yes, it was. And then she, you know, she got very emotional. She, it's like all of a sudden, it all made sense. She needed that as proof. And I knew that. And he was an amazing communicator. So, A story like that stayed with me because I knew that unless she got that, although everything else was factual, she needed something. She needed something else to hook into, to connect. So that story and that experience stayed with me for a long, long time because I knew that that mother would go home and know that her son was with her. And that's really my work as a medium. That's what it's about. It's about bringing that connection forward so that there's no doubt that that person's there and it has to be evidential.
1: It looks like uh, from your work, evidence plays a big role in believability. Do you feel like most of your clients seek for a specific kind of evidence to believe what you're telling them?
2: For me personally, I have always done the evidential mediumship. I see You know, these days, I think there's so many psychics and mediums out there, you know, social media and, you know, you can basically get a reading anywhere you want. Now, there's no year's. Years ago, it was quite a rare thing to go to a reputable medium, but now it's all over the place. But the downside of that is there is so much out there that's not evidential. I have seen psychics, you know, saying, oh, I've got your grandmother here and she's saying X, Y and Z. There's no evidence of the grandmother. There's no evidence to know that that is who that person's got if they've got anyone. So, you know, I think reputable mediums, which there are many of them out there as well, all want the evidence, to support that because that's what the proof is. And for me personally, if I gave a reading and I didn't feel it was evidential, to me it, it wouldn't mean anything because that's what you're trying to prove.
1: I really appreciate that evidence is part of your practice. It's like a core belief that you have, you must prove evidence to them. And in movies, when a psychic medium is portrayed, when somebody is going to a psychic medium, you hear these strange voices that come up. Is that part of the theater or is that how it normally is?
2: So mainly it's theatre, mainly it's just as an effect, but there is a form of mediumship called trance mediumship and physical mediumship actually, where the medium can go into a deep trance and guides and helpers or spirit people can use the medium's vocal cords to talk. So that can happen, that is a physical mediumship and a trance mediumship, but it's quite rare that anyone would do that in public just for anyone you know it's quite a rare thing to do as a medium and I myself sit in trance and do trance mediumship but not really for public at this stage Um, but guides and helpers do come and talk.
1: Do you have one more positive story to share with us?
2: It's funny, I was telling someone this story the other day. I remember this woman came to see me for a reading and she brought her husband along with her. And when they arrived, I knew straight away the husband was not into this. He was not, you know, he was sceptical. His body language told me everything. So they came and sat down and I had said to him, because you're sitting in the room with us it might be that I come to you and he said oh no no he said no I don't believe in it I'm just here to keep her company and I said that's fine but I knew that I already felt his dad in the spirit side so anyway straight away the father came in and I said look I'm gonna have to come to you I've got your dad here and I started to give him you know a few things that I was getting and I could see him kind of thinking "Mm, right yeah well okay you know and then his dad gave me his name and And as the reading went on, I could see that he was opening up, but he was still determined not to believe in it. So I went through the whole reading and then afterwards I said, well, just towards the end, I said to him, ask your mum about the fact that she lit a candle in Italy for your dad after he passed away. And he said, no, that never happened. My mum's never been to Italy. And I said, well, I said, I I said, I'm sure she's in a church in Italy. That's what I see. I said, and he's telling me she lit a candle. And he said, absolutely not. And he wanted to use that to kind of invalidate everything else. He was just determined that he wasn't going to believe this. So anyway, I thanked him for coming off the way. And he phoned me about three days later and he said, um, Karen, I was in seeing you the other day and I, I knew instantly who it was. And I said, yes. And he said, well, I went and spoke to my mum. And. I didn't even know she'd been to Italy. She went on a cruise after my dad passed away with her sister. And she that's right. What you said is right. She went into a church in Italy and she lit a candle for my dad. And I said, well, that's amazing. And he said, um, how did you get that information? <laughs> <And> I said, <laughs> your dad gave me the information. And he said, well, I just can't understand this. He said, I just don't understand it. So anyway, he went off the phone. He phoned me about a week later. And he said, Karen, I've not been sleeping. I don't understand how you managed to know that information. And I didn't even know it. And I explained it all to him again. And we were laughing. We ended up laughing about it. But he did say to me, you've changed my mindset. You've changed, like my dad must have been there. So it was nice to see Something evidential that he didn't know, that I didn't know. I just gave, you know, what I was getting. And once he checked out, it was true. So it kind of left him nowhere to go on it apart from believing that his father was with him. So things like that can change people's lives. You know, you can change someone's outlook on it. It's amazing.
1: That's a beautiful story. With that, we'll take a little break. Again, my guest is Karen Doherty. She's a psychic medium from Scotland. We'll be right back.
0: Continuing to be a leader in the field of spiritual care at the end of life, Hospice Chaplaincy provides high-quality professional development webinars that will improve your practice of spiritual care at the end of life. Check out our latest webinars at www.hospicechaplaincy.com.
1: I'm Sole Berman, and we continue our conversation with Karen Doherty. Uh, Karen, let's talk a little bit about the intersection between mediumship and end-of-life care. How do you see that intersection?
2: Well, I feel that, you know, when someone is at the end of life, obviously for everyone involved, for the person that's passing, for their family and loved ones that are still going to be here after that, you know, it's a really vulnerable time. And I think for mediumship, it's not so much where you want to sit there and provide you know, evidence of people that have crossed over, it's more about sitting within the energy of what's taking place, knowing that the soul is kind of loosening from the physical body being and being prepared to cross over. And it, I feel, for me anyway, it's about helping the people that are Surrounding that in every way, explaining to them maybe the process, also explaining what might happen when they, get, you know, when they do cross over, but also then bringing reassurance that their loved one will be okay. So it's really more of a a ministry at that point. I feel
1: I might have had you on a different podcast talking about soul level communication, and I wanted to talk a little bit about that in relation to end of life care. How can we strengthen our soul, love, communication with the dying and maybe even beyond after the death?
2: Well, you know, when when a medium links with a person psychically, let's say, that's connecting with the soul. So that can still happen when the person's still here, but maybe is at the end of their life here, the end of their physical life. And really, it's an energy exchange. It's a, it's a lot to do with healing. It's a lot to do with Allowing that person to kind of embrace what's taking place within them and helping them with that. And for me, as the medium, my way to do that would perhaps be to ask spirit for healing. Bring healing to that person as well as having open conversation about what might take place or what that person's feeling. And I've had that experience before of speaking to people at end of life where they report things that they're experiencing and asking, What is this? You know, and being able to give them that reassurance on that soul level. I really do feel it helps them move forward and, and take the next step.
1: In terms of psychic mediumship, is this something that we can all do? Or do we always have to come to an expert like you to journey us through this process?
2: Well, we can all communicate with our loved ones on that other side in our own way and that might be just by thoughts you know feelings speaking out loud to them they can hear us our loved ones in spirit can hear us the difference of working with a medium though is that the medium will be able to have the response you know bring the response or bring the what the the spirit person wants to say whereas when we are on our own I would still always recommend that you keep speaking to your people that have crossed over but don't be disheartened if you don't feel a response right in that moment because the spirit world have to work really, really hard at bringing anything into the physical side of things. So it can take them time to even show you a small sign that they are there. So keep talking to them, keep validating them, but also, don't expect too much. The The things that spirit will bring you are very, very subtle signs. They're not big and bold. It's very rare that they're big and bold. A medium can bring more, but that doesn't mean you should only do it through a medium. I always encourage people to do it for themselves.
1: Uh, Karen, I've been curious. Are there certain rituals that you must perform? For instance, if a client comes to talk to you and they want to talk to their dead loved ones, and this dead person has never met you, how do they know that you're seeking for them to talk to their loved one through you? Are there rituals you perform so that they can recognize you and then come and speak through you to their loved ones?
2: No, I don't think there's any kind of formal way to do things. I think if someone comes to me to reach for their loved one, I would always explain what the process is for me. So I would explain, just relax, be open-minded, don't be worrying about anything Also, if you're sceptical, that's okay, you know, just keep an open mind and let me reach for them. And then I would explain how their loved one will reach for me and how we will meet in the middle and bring that blending in. And the same for the spirit person, you know, every person in the spirit world communicates differently. So I might get a man in the spirit side who's an excellent communicator, who's strong, but then I might get someone else there, a lady there that it finds it difficult to make the communication happen. So I have to take more time over that and make sure that I get that communication right. So there's never like a one straight answer for anyone. It just really depends on everything, the energy of the situation.
1: Karen, I think that mediumship has a special role to play, especially when it comes to dealing with grief. What do most of your clients look for when they come seeking for that?
2: If a client comes to me and it is through grief and it's not about their own life, let's say, if it's through grief, they really are looking for that reassurance that their loved one is still alive and where are they and they have questions like where are they though what do they see are they still with me do they come every day to see me you know they've got all of these questions so it's really answering all of those questions but sometimes there might be a situation where someone never got to say goodbye to their loved one maybe it was a traumatic passing or a sudden passing And in these circumstances, people just feel like it was very, very final and that they didn't get to kind of, you know, have that closure or have that time with their loved one. So... Speaking with their loved one from the spirit side through my mediumship, I'm able to kind of bring that into play again and allow them to have that conversation, which in turn will bring healing. But not only for the person in front of me here, also for the loved one in the spirit side. Because if you could imagine a mother or a father going to the spirit side and not having the chance to say goodbye to their family then that spirit person also needs that. That's also a need for them to be able to get their words forward so that their loved ones know that they're all right and that they're alive in a different form. So it brings healing to kind of both sides. And that is what mediumship is. Mediumship is meant to be about healing and it's meant to leave the person here feeling uplifted, feeling reassured. And it's also meant to leave the spirit person feeling like I got through to my daughter or my son or whoever it is. And I was able to bring that love forward and they know I'm all right. So it promotes healing on both sides.
1: So what kind of qualities must a medium possess to provide quality care?
2: That is a question that I love because I don't know that it's asked as much as it should be. Because unfortunately, again, with the way that we live now, everything's very fast-paced, everything's online, everything's about, you know, getting more followers or you know, looking for a little bit of recognition for something. And for me, a, a medium who is in it to serve spirit will will always have compassion, care, love for the client and for the spirit side of life, patience, tolerance, all of the things that are needed and warmth. You know, warmth is a massive thing. When I speak to clients, it's never a case of speaking to someone, signing off and then forgetting, a, you know, about the whole thing it's always about if you need me you know where I am how can I help you because really it's an ongoing thing it's not really something that's just in that moment and I'm not saying that mediums shouldn't have followers or be known for their work listen if, if you're known for your work by reputation I think that's an amazing thing because people will know where to find you and you will help thousands of people um, but it shouldn't just be about that there needs to be the other side of that there and I'm blessed that the clients that I've seen over the years all can say you know the warmth is there and the compassion is there and that's very very important to me
1: Well that would take a little break and again my guest is Karen Doherty we'll be right back
0: If someone you know is suffering from mental health issues and could use some support, please call the National Alliance for Mental Illness Helpline. It is a free nationwide peer support service providing information, resource referrals, and support to people living with a mental health condition. To contact the NAMI Helpline, please call 1-800-950-NAMI. That's 1-800-950-6264. Monday through Friday, or send an email to info at NAMI.org.
1: I'm Sole and we continue our conversation with Karen. Uh, Karen, in your practice, do you channel Spirit Guides?
2: Yes, I do. I think that when people... Well, let's say when mediums talk about spirit guides, you know, I think that people who aren't mediums automatically think that it's something that mediums have and that they don't. But actually, we all have guides. We all have helpers. And the way that I say it is, if you go to you school when you're young 5 6 years old you're going to get a teacher at that point who can teach you and develop you at that level then as you move up through the years you're going to get different teachers coming in and out of your life dependent on your level of development so it's much the same with your spirit guides and your spirit team there's different teachers different guides that will come in and out dependent on what you need but it's not just saved for mediums it's every one of us have that and we can call upon them to help us and when I'm within my mediumship I have gotten to know guides and helpers over the years known I know which guides come in for certain parts of my work and you know no details about them but that's taken a long long time to learn that and I can only get that from them when they feel the time is right
1: so who are these spirit guides
2: so I have uh, one of my spirit team a lovely lady called Gita and she comes in to help me with uh, with my uh, writing work, my speaking work she has helped me do lots of development on and certain aspects of my mediumship that I use daily when I'm speaking to clients. I have another guide called Arthur. He comes in at certain points as well in mediumship. He'll come in. And again, he's all about the philosophy and and things, words of wisdom that will help people. So there are different guides. There's about six or seven or eight maybe that I'm aware of that are working with me at any one time. But they do come in at different times and dependent on what I'm doing.
1: So what spiritual skills must a medium possess?
2: Spiritually, you know, spiritually, you need to be developed in a sense, in a, in a spiritual way. So what I mean by that is, you know, it's okay to say that you can be a medium or that you have psychic skills that you just know things or you can pick things up or you can tune into someone and give them details of things. But spiritually, you have to be developed in a way that you do understand that there's a higher power, that you do understand it's not about ego, that you do understand that you're affecting people's lives. And it's a massive responsibility. And I think any medium, really, who's working for all the right reasons and the right purpose will always know that you, you have people coming to you that are very vulnerable in their most vulnerable moments. So you have to be spiritually aware of what you're saying to someone so that it helps their spirit, but also helps their spirit that have crossed over.
1: In end-of-life care, there's often a sense of closure. What role do you think mediumship plays in bringing closure?
2: Well, you know, my biggest experience of sitting with someone at end of life was my own mother and my sisters and I, I have two sisters and we were all at the hospice most of that weekend and round about the afternoon, both my sisters said they didn't want to go back in. they felt that my mum, you know, it was too upsetting for them and they didn't want to go back in. And of course, I was always going to be the one that said I'm going to stay with her right until the end, only because... I felt I could help her go forward. So I sat with her and, you know, for maybe a good few hours, maybe four or five hours, she was still very rested, very peaceful. But I knew she was still hanging on to stay here. I knew I could feel it. I could feel her energy. I could feel that she was fearful, that she didn't want to let go because she was leaving her family and she was frightened. She didn't know where she was going, even though her and I had talked at length about the spirit side. She knows what I do. And actually, she had had experience in the few weeks leading up to her past where she would say things to me like, you know, Karen, I heard angels singing in my room last night and I had to say to her at that point, oh, they're maybe just coming to help heal you because my mum didn't want to face that she was actually going to pass away. So in the, the hours leading up to the passing, I felt her move. I felt that her soul was on the move. So I sat with her and I said to her, you know, mum, it's all right. Go forward. Just I kept saying to her, make the jump. It's all right. And I was really encouraging her in such a positive way. You're going to be all right. You're going to be with your mum, your dad, your brother, your sister. And we're, we are all OK. And I was given a reassurance. And really, I do feel that that's what helped my mum let go. Of this physical life. So you do actually feel when spirit are on the move in, in that sense. And for me, for someone who's end of life, I think that is truly a gift and a, and a blessing to be able to sit with someone in their final hours and help them somehow, whether it's reassurance or helping the family. It's just such a blessing.
1: So, how has mediumship changed your perspective on life and death?
2: It's changed. My perspective in a way that when I first came into my mediumship, I was still very affected by other people. I was still very affected. I had situations in my life that weren't good, certain people in my life that, you know, had a bad marriage and things. And it it wasn't good for me in in any sense and i was in that because i felt i had to do my best for this person i had to stay i had to make things work i had to push forward but then when i developed myself and developed my mediumship it made me look very clearly at we are only here for a short time really in the grand scheme of things none of us know when the physical side of things is going to end in that sense so it kind of gave me more perspective on, well, you know, I have to take care of me, my soul. I have to take care of who I am. I have to be able to help other people. And it changed my whole perspective on life in that in that sense of not staying or, or not going through things that I didn't need to put myself through. Likewise, helping other people, you know, it gave me that sense of, you know, I'm going to lend myself to that person because that's what they need. And it just makes you so aware of staying away from drama and stress, but also taking care of people at the same time. And the perspective as far as death goes, I think I always knew from a young child that there was somewhere else to go. So I don't feel that I didn't know that before, but it did bring it to the forefront of my mind where I was more aware of it than ever. You know, like this is going to be all right. We are all going to the same place. And obviously, you know, I wasn't brought up in religion. I wasn't raised in a religious way, but my father was. And there are certain you know, thoughts through certain religions, different religions of uh, what happens, you know. And I, I think that my awareness of that became more prevalent. And I used to feel, you know, the, if, if only everyone could see that we are all of the higher power, however you look at that, call that, you know, it doesn't, we're all the same. And it changed my perspective on that.
1: What is the most rewarding part of mediumship for you?
2: There's many rewards I feel, but one of the the biggest things for me is when I feel that loved one in the spirit side, when I feel them come forward and feel their union with their loved one here, that gives me such a sense of unbelievable love and unbelievable feeling of knowing that that has made a change within someone's life. And it's not to do with me. It's not that Karen is doing that it's just that I'm a very small part in that but I have the ability to bring that together and for me that is the biggest satisfaction and the biggest blessing of all walking away from someone knowing that actually that loved one in spirit knows that they have reached their person.
1: Thank you very much what are your final thoughts?
2: My final thoughts would be just to tell everyone that's listening you know validate your loved ones speak to them I Every morning I say good morning to my mother and I don't hear her speaking back to me, even though I'm a medium, doesn't may- mean that I'm constantly, you know, aware of my own loved ones. So I know I can't always hear my mum, but I say good morning to her because I know that she will hear me and that's what's important. And I think sometimes as humans, we tend to think about things from our perspective. Like I need to speak to my dad who's in spirit. I wish I could speak to my grandmother. And we ask them things like, you know, when am I going to get this new house or I really need your help on something. But we don't always remember just to say to them, I love you. I miss you. You know, you're still here with us. We're validating you and celebrating your life. And I think if we can think about it like that, it keeps the spirit world close. And sooner or later, you will get your own signs from your loved ones that they are there and that they can hear you.
1: Thank you very much.
2: That is, has been an absolute pleasure. So thank you so much for having me.
1: That was Karen Docherty. She's a psychic medium residing in Scotland. You are listening to the Hospice Chaplaincy Show. Our project manager is Melissa Caprellian. Our studio engineer is Brian MacKenna, and I'm Saul Abema. Thank you for listening.
0: This show was brought to you by Hospice Chaplaincy, promoting excellence in spiritual care at the end of life. This episode was recorded at Audio Hive Podcasting in Julia, Illinois. You can find our podcast everywhere podcasts are available. If you enjoy listening to the show, please don't forget to give us your feedback by writing a review on iTunes. For more information, please visit www.hospicechaplaincy.com.
1: This is Solle and I want to thank our listeners. Thank you for listening to the Hospice Chaplaincy Show through our fourth season. It's hard to believe that we just wrapped up another great year of episodes focused on educating and bringing awareness and insight to end-of-life care. We were delighted to tackle important topics throughout this season. We strive to bring you insightful conversations with impactful guests to shed light on this meaningful work. As we look ahead to our fifth season in 2024, we have some exciting things in store for you. And know that we are always grateful when our loyal listeners like you reach out to us and share their feedback on the episodes, suggest future topics and guests, or show your support. If you have any ideas for our fifth season, want to be a guest or are interested in contributing financially, please don't hesitate to get in touch. Lastly, we also want to extend our immense gratitude to all the amazing guests who joined us in this past season it was an honor to feature the insights of so many dedicated professionals working in or around end of life. Thank you for taking time to have thoughtful discussions and for allowing us to shine a spotlight on your work through your stories. Our show simply would not be possible without the vulnerability and wisdom of guests like yourselves. From the bottom of our hearts, Thank you all for helping make the Hospice Chaplaincy Show such a rewarding endeavor. Here's to another year ahead, wishing you a Happy New Year and see you in Season 5.